Alright, hello everybody and welcome to the first episode of the Super Fun Good Time Podcast. That is a mouthful. Uh, so this is a video game podcast and we're just going to be talking about video games and doing some high detail playthroughs of video games from all genres that we love. Uh, we're going to start by introducing ourselves. Uh, I'm Tony. I teach high school music and I love video games. Hi, I'm Alex. Uh, I work in special education. I love video games and hockey. Oh, and I love my wife, Jill. And I'm Jill. Uh, I work in guest services at Universal Studios Florida. I Ooh. don't really play video games. I'm slowly introducing her into video games, and that's kind of why we're we're here to talk about it. All right, so we're gonna. This is gonna be in many sections, and section one is going to be the grind, and the grind is like a a thing that we're kind of doing in our regular lives that uh, we're trying to get good at, maybe a skill we're trying to develop or a hobby we're trying to build. Uh, so yeah, so Alex, why don't you start with uh, your grind this week? Yeah, so my grind actually for this entire uh, social distancing quarantine thing is actually um, I've always been super interested in painting. So I decided I'm going to have so much free time, I'm going to try and start painting. Uh, it's going pretty well. I've I've done, I guess I've done four paintings. <laughs> I thought two of them were worth keeping. So <laughs> I liked your paintings. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, are you going with like yeah. a specific style or like, how are you learning? What are you doing? Are you like using YouTube? I've watched a lot of Bob Ross. Bob Ross is, is uh, <laughs> teaching me through Netflix. That is excellent. Um, a lot of trial uh, and error. A lot of trial and error. I just got some new equipment that I'm excited to start about. Uh, but yeah. That's awesome. Uh, and is it like, are you using just like oil-based paints? Is it watercolors? Is it acrylics? Um, acrylics, okay. For no reason, I just picked and acrylics. Contact paper and that, contact that paper. That I learned from Bob Ross. That I definitely <laughs> learned from Bob Ross. I've cut out like different um, shapes or patterns or whatever that I've wanted uh, on my paintings because I cannot draw a straight line to save my life. So <laughs> I will cut out outlines, put them on contact paper, put that on my canvas, paint over it, and it comes out pretty good. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. Jill, baking, I see. Yes. So since I have nothing better to do during this social distancing quarantine, I have been baking. I have been baking cookies and pies specifically because Alex loves pie. I have been very grateful for this. So I've been told. But I haven't been able to bake any bread because there's no yeast. And I don't want to waste my flour to make a sourdough starter. So mostly sweets, huh? Yes, the sweets. Cookies and pies. I made some yesterday. I made um, some chocolate chip pretzel cookies. Did you like have like pretzels, like bag pretzels that you put in there? Yeah. Yeah. I crushed up some pretzels and put it in the dough with some chocolate chips. That sounds delightful. Oh, delicious. I fortunately was able to buy like a thing of yeast before this whole thing happened. And I said, I've got about half of it left, I think. Oh, I wish I had. Like, Every time I order groceries, I put yeast on there <laughs> as a request just in case. I have not been so lucky. It feels like a gamble. Like you're just like hoping that one time they're like, yeah, we got it. I know. And more flour. I just like that with all this quarantine stuff going on, the things that people need the most are toilet paper, cleaning supplies, and yeast. Yeah, the yeast thing, that's a weird one. I know. Every, well, everyone's been baking bread. I feel like everyone I've seen everywhere has been posting pictures oh, of bread sure. they made. Except us. Because I don't have any yeast. If I had yeast, I would also be posting pictures of bread. I have also been posting pictures of bread, I must admit. I know. And we have yet to taste your bread yet, even before <laughs> this quarantine. Yeah, it's going to be pretty good by the time the quarantine's over. 
And now I've started toasting it and putting butter on it, and it's even, it's like heaven. I can't even explain how good it is. Oh my gosh. Like Seventh Heaven? Like like the TV show Seventh Heaven. It's exactly like that. (laughs) Now it's going more with the bar. We're not there yet. Wow, I can't believe that we're about to talk about this game, and I totally, t- and totally I'm a little disappointed in you. <laughs> Aside from missing video game references for the game we're talking about and baking bread, what have you been up to? Uh, I have been working on building a portfolio of video game tunes. So it's a dream that I have, now this is not something I want to do with my life, but uh, I really want to write video game music a lot. This is something I've always wanted to do. And so I've been using my iPad and a little MIDI controller, and I've just been writing video game tunes. I haven't done it in a couple of days. I need to get back on it because I've got a new computer, and I've been working with that. But, but yeah, so just writing a bunch of video game music. and Awesome. Yeah. Alex had to listen to your Olaf theme the other day, and it was great. No, it was I think it turned out good. I was really pleased with that. <laughs> I'll be Thank honest. You. Sometimes you sent me those because uh, you sent a couple of those those compositions that you've made in the middle of my Zoom meetings, and like it takes everything I have to not freak out. Like, all right, so today we need to talk. Ah! I mean, <clears throat> I'm sorry. Stay on point. Stay on point. But like, listen, we have a thing. I have something to play for you right now. It's going to make our meeting way better. <laughs> all right. So our next segment is called Level Up. We're just kind of talk about anything that's awesome that's happened in our lives. Uh, work promotions, birthdays, etc. Uh, so for me, it's I was finally able to save up and purchase a new computer because my computer was like five years old and it was an old PC. And we know how old PCs run; they're like they're rough. So oh, yeah. I was I able still, to. Buy- I still have my I still have my MacBook from college, you know, two thousand and seven. And I bet it runs so good, doesn't it? <laughs> oh, oh no, I don't even remember the last time I tried to turn it on. Oh, well, I just bought a Mac- MacBook Air. That's what I just bought. And nice. it is it is a magical piece of magicianship. And I love it. And just everything about it is amazing. And the fact that it like, you know, my old computer, I would turn it on and I would have to wait like 10 minutes for it to boot up. Or if I wanted to boot up a Word document, it'd be like 10 minutes. The Mac, you like open it up and press a button and it's ready to go. It's like there's like no waiting time. <laughs> it's, yeah. I used to have to factor in. It's like, all right, if I have to get this project done, I need to factor in 30 minutes just for the boot up. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty excited about that. All right, Alex? Jill? Yeah, I've literally been doing nothing. So since quarantine, you know, the theme parks are closed. So thankfully, though, I have worked for a great company that has still been paying for me to not work while I sit at home and bake. Other than that, my birthday is coming up in a few weeks. So yes. Yeah. We'll see what we end up doing for that. May 15th. It will probably be a virtual birthday party. Or maybe some of the restrictions will be relaxed by then. We can have a small in-person birthday party. Oh, no, we'll see. You guys can come over and we can all stay six feet apart. <laughs> I don't think we have enough space for that. Yeah, we don't have enough space for Everybody that. Everybody gets a we corner. Be, yeah, we'd each be in a different corner of the apartment. We might have to host it at Chris's house because we could all stand in different yeah. parts of the house. Yeah, we'll stand in the backyard. That's perfect. We'll have somebody grilling and just <laughs> throwing the food from the grill to people's plates. <laughs> that will be that will be the party game is seeing who can catch the most burgers on their plate. I will win. <laughs> if you don't catch, you don't eat. <laughs> Survival of the fittest? I love it. Darwinism at, at, at its unintended finest. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Alex? Um, so I survived another week, but I'm actually also super happy that yesterday I cleaned. I cleaned like the apartment. It's been long overdue, and it's amazing how much better we feel 
when like our apartment is clean and stuff oh, like for that. Sure. I did laundry two days ago too, which was very nice. Yes. I was running out of leggings to wear, you know, since I don't wear real clothes. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I wore real clothes. I'm wearing jeans today. You plan on leaving the house or? Got dressed up for this. <laughs> Even though no one can see me. Except for our FBI agents, they can see us. But... <laughs> So we're going to move on to our next section. What's our uh, next section, Alex? Uh, we're going to do the super fun, good diversion section. And what is this segment? So this segment, we're going to talk about uh, all the games that we're playing that uh, isn't the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, Jill, you want to tell us what game you've been playing? Sure. <laughs> I have been living my life playing Animal Crossing. Yes, you have. It yes. is the only video game that I play. I guess this also could go sort of with my leveling up. You know, I did just pay off my second story today. No. So now I owe Tom Nook, uh, what is it, $2.5 million <laughs> for, for my basement. So I am in eternal debt to this capitalist raccoon. I caught 39 tarantulas last night. Use that tarantula money to pay off my house. Tell me non-Animal Crossing, the Animal Crossing uninitiated, what a tra- why tarantulas mean anything. Oh man, tarantulas, you get 8,000 bells a piece for those babies. The bells are the form of currency inside of my island, which is called Tefiti. Is 8,000 bells a lot of bells? It is a lot of bells, especially for, you know, an insect, because some insects you only get like 100 bells for, or, you know, yeah. the infamous stupid sea bass, or should I say C plus, you ah. get 400. <laughs> 400 bells for that thing, and that is all I catch. Finding a tarantula is so rare, though. Oh, yes. So what I did, I went to one of those mystery islands and made my own tarantula island. So basically, you cut everything else down so that no other bugs will spawn except for the occasional tiger beetle and wharf roach. But you scamper those away, and then the tarantulas (laughs) pop up. I probably fainted about 15 times waiting for I was going to say, is catching them easy? Is it easy to catch a tarantula? So you, you kind of have to get into a rhythm. So I, at first, when I first started to try to start catching these tarantulas, I, it would, they would freak me out because I hate spiders. So I would move too much. And when you move too much, they chase after you and they bite you and make you faint. So you kind of have to start over. So you pop up and you wake up and you have to start over looking for them again. But once you kind of get into a groove, you got to creep up on them and then just snatch them up. If these tarantulas chase you and they, they bite you, and you, you'll faint. But then when you catch one, then you grab it out of your net with your bare hands and hold it up to everybody and say, look, I caught a tarantula and you're totally fine. But and his, like, his like legs are like wiggling. Oh my God, no. <laughs> That's the worst part. Oh, I hate it so much. The worst is when like you're running around and then you just see it there and I just freeze. <laughs> Because you just see its stupid, gross, hairy legs and you don't want it to chase you. It's the literal worst. It is. But other than, you know, catching tarantulas, I've been decorating my island. I am at three stars trying to get on up there. What's the maximum rate you can get? Five stars, which I've heard is impossible. So one of my friends, his island is outrageous. Like, it is beautiful. And he is still at four stars. And every day he goes to ask Isabel, who's a little little dog that works in resident services about his island for a second (laughs) (laughs) no isabel is adorable 
Um, but so he asks her every day and he adds more things. His island is gorgeous. It's practically like completely paved and he is still at four stars and she keeps telling him he needs to add more stuff. So she told him he had to add fences. So he literally went all the way up onto his back hills and made a tiny little fenced in area just for Isabel. I don't know if it worked, but anyway, we should save Animal Crossing for a later pod. Yes, please. Alex is getting bored. Alex, what are you playing? What have you been? Oh yeah. Um, any other games other than Final Fantasy VII Remake? Uh, nope, got nothing. I've only been playing Final Fantasy VII. I mean, but, why would you play anything else? I don't understand. Like this, this whole section to me does. I I don't get it. I don't understand. You're right. You're right. What was I mean? Well, I have uh, over the course of this quarantine uh, social distancing thing. Um, I have beat several games, so many games. Like my my body count is up to like six or seven. I can't even remember all of them. Uh, but the things that I've beat so far in quarantine, I beat The Last of Us, which is one of the best things I've ever played. Uh, I beat Pokemon Shield. Uh, I beat uh, Katana Zero, which was a really cool little indie platformer. Uh, I beat Nino Kuni, which was uh, JRPG originally released for the PS3 that they did a remaster for on the PS4, and that was made in conjunction with Hio Miyazaki and Studio Ghibli. Uh, and so it has all the animation and the composer and kind of like the whole, the heart of a Studio Ghibli movie, but with, um, but it's a video game and it's really, really, really cool. Cool. Uh, I was uh, playing Shield yep. for a little bit. Oh, it was so good. Did you not? But again, Animal movie? Crossing came out and oh, I couldn't true. play the Switch anymore. That, that's true. <laughs> uh, I also beat Tomb Raider, the Definitive Edition, which was a re-release from the reboot on the PS3, which is one of the best games I've ever played. I loved that game. Uh, and I'm currently playing The Messenger, which is kind of like a, um, what's the word? Is it Shinobi? That's the word? I think that was the platformer. Uh, or like an old school Ninja Gaiden. Uh, so you're like a oh, ninja yeah. and it's like a side-scrolling platformer. It was also, uh, it's the publisher is Devolver, which is the same publisher that did... Uh, Katana Zero, and they, they published another game called Crossing Souls that I really like, but they do a bunch of, like, 2D retro game stuff, RPGs, uh, side-scrollers, the, the, the whole gambit. And so that game that game was amazing and had one of the best game soundtracks I've ever played. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, well, it's Katana Zero. And Messenger has one of the best game soundtracks I've ever played. I've not looked it up, but according to a good friend of mine, Joe, uh, Mitsuda is the guy who did the music for this, which is the guy who did the music for, like, Chrono Cross and Chrono Trigger and stuff. But that's what I'm playing. And now time for our next segment. This is going to be called the playthrough, where we're going to actually talk about uh, one chapter a week, where uh, we go into as much detail uh, into like the different music and the level design, characters, enemies, that sort of stuff. Uh, but for this week, since this is our first episode, we're also going to be talking about our experiences with the original Final Fantasy VII, and then also our initial reactions to the complete game, because all three of us have finished the the remake, at least on normal mode. I don't know if you can say I finished. I finished watching you. That's my Gosh, experience. My experience with Final Fantasy VII Remake has been I have been watching Alex play. But anyway. She was excited that Cloud from Kingdom Hearts finally got his own game. Exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. So why don't we use that as our segue? So, uh, Jill, what was your experience with the original Final Fantasy VII game? I have no experience with the original Final Fantasy VII game. My uh, first introduction to Cloud came in the Kingdom Hearts series, one of the very few video games that I've played. You know, Disney makes it accessible. <laughs> but Cloud, <laughs> Cloud was first introduced to me in Kingdom Hearts, and 
I don't know what it was about him, his little mysterious air, that spiky blonde hair, but I love him. What about you, Alex? So my the first game I ever played as a kid growing up was uh, it was Final Fantasy three in the States, Final Fantasy six everywhere else in the world. I played that with my dad. My dad introduced me to the Final Fantasy series, but Final Fantasy seven was the first game I ever played like by myself on my own. Uh, the strategy guide that came out was like the first book that I read cover to cover, like all on my own, no help from my parents and stuff like that. And somewhere in the world, there is a homework assignment for one of my English classes where the the prompt, the question was, if you could be any superhero, who would you be? And I wrote down as my answer, Cloud Strife. <laughs> kind of like a superhero. Absolutely. But anyway, what about you, Tony? My first Final Fantasy VII experience, so for my first Final Fantasy VII experience is probably my first JRPG experience. And so in the summers, my parents worked. And so I would go to my grandparents' house, kind of near my mom's work. And my uncle was uh, living in a house next door at the time uh, with his wife and best friend. And uh, the best friend was super into video games. His name was Guy. He like brought Final Fantasy. We would play video games every day. He would just bring the PlayStation over. And I didn't have a PlayStation at the time. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. And we played through Final Fantasy VII together, me and Guy. And it was like life altering. I was like, I didn't know that games like this existed. You know, we had played so many different things. And that was, you know, the music was incredible. The whole fighting, just the enemies, the super highly like anime stylized action. It was just absolutely life changing to me. So I was like, little, little Miato. I think I was like <laughs> going into the fifth, like the fifth grade. So for, for, for me who never played the original, what year was that that the original game came out? <laughs> 97. Yep. Wow. And I think I actually got my copy for Christmas, and it was a bundle with the PlayStation 1. Oh, wow. So, you know what, actually, that just reminded me, too. I was talking to my brother the other day, uh, Andy, and he reminded me, Tony, that you actually lent him Final Fantasy VII on PC when we were in high school. What? Yeah, I think... I'm not sure he ever returned it to you. The saddest I would part hope he did. Um, but anyway, the thing is, the funny thing that he did tell me actually a couple of days Throwback. ago, a couple of days ago, he told me this. This that crushed me. This crushed me. <laughs> he never actually beat it. He apparently got stuck on the final battle <laughs> and gave up. Oh my god! Which is crazy because in that original game, they scale the difficulty of the final boss battle to your level. Yeah. I don't know. Andy couldn't beat it. I Alex was very upset about it. I, I couldn't say anything, and even now it's difficult to come up with words like, how? You're at the end of the game. Like, how do you just stop? How do you just stop? I it that's I feel like I've done that a couple times with some games that maybe did not set you up well for like the final boss battle. Like I think a game that I can remember doing that was with uh, was um one of the Tales of games. And there was like oh, you man. could kind of get you could kind of motor through the game and it got to the final boss battle, and if you had not really did any grinding, it was impossible to win the fight. And so I was like, ah, f*** this, and I should stop playing it. <laughs> but so I have done that before. So I, I get to also carry the mantle of shame of getting all the way to the end of the game and just going, ah, f*** it, and then throwing the game away. Never. I've never once done that. Even if it's a game it's that I than despise. Than <laughs> yes. Because I'm a completionist in, in certain respects, I guess. <laughs> Moving on. So this is more of a question, I think, for you uh, and um, Tony, Alex. What have been your uh, initial reactions to Final Fantasy VII Remake? Oh, all right. Um, I I love it, uh, in case you couldn't tell from before, but I love this game. This is uh, Tony, you and I talked about this outside of uh, this recording, but 
this is a game we normally don't go back and play games on like the hard modes that, that get unlocked right. afterwards but we right. both agreed i think like chapter one or two we both were like we're gonna play this game again on hard mode probably several times a hundred percent um it's great it's uh, the visuals the story i mean the the detail level in this game and you know there you could go into like the actual visual details but also like there's certain like bits of dialogue that uh, allude to something in the original game or something like that, or even potentially later in the story. Speaking um, of little details, I think my favorite little detail that I've told you before, Alex, is Cloud's little just, like, arm wave. Whenever he heals? Whenever he... No, <laughs> he heals, but, like, when somebody's talking and it's, like, something that would be, like, I guess sort of, like, a sarcastic response, he just, like, puts his arm out and just kind of... <laughs> Like a talk to the hand gesture? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> That's definitely a throwback to 1997. <laughs> <laughs> so how about you, Tony? What have your initial reactions been to the remake? Uh, I said this when I played the demo, uh, and, I, and I maintain this feeling now. I think it's it feels like the, the most Final Fantasy that has ever Final Fantasy. <laughs> Uh, I feel like this game has captured the thing they've been trying to capture. I'm not to say that like the original seven didn't or like, I, let me say that again in the modern era, you know, cause right. I just think that people really like 13 and it reviewed really well. People like 15. I like 15. It reviewed really well, I like but I felt like there was always like a thing. I watched, so I watched Alex play 15. It was fun. Yeah. I like that game. I just feel like it was missing something. And I feel like this yeah. game captured that, that something. Um, it was it was it was incredible. I couldn't stop playing it. I beat it in the course of three days because I just couldn't put the game down. Yeah, uh, and it is it is absolutely my favorite Final Fantasy game ever made of all time. I would agree with that. And I and think I, have, I think the funny thing too is that this is only part of the actual game. This isn't even the complete right. game. Seriously. And of course, I think we said this at the beginning, but just to remind the, the anybody who's listening is we have already all beat the game. So we are playing this game with the information of we know what the ending is, we know what the ending end game is, and so now we understand even better how the events that we're playing through affect the end game, uh, if at all. And we're also trying to play it through hard mode. And I never try and get platinum trophies on anything on PlayStation, but I'm trying to get the platinum on this game. Oh wow! I'm not even doing it for the for trophies. Sure. I'm doing it just out of the sheer enjoyment. <laughs> yeah. Man. Uh, and it's cool. And just a couple of things like, you know, when you beat the game, they open up not only a hard mode, but a chapter select. So you can just go back and play any chapter that you want. So if there's something you missed in a chapter, you can just go play that chapter. You don't have to play the whole game again, which I thought was a really cool move on their part. Yeah, that's actually what I've done to to get some items and equipment that I've missed out. So chapter one, should we talk about it? Now nah, let's stop here. I think that's that's good for now. That's it. We've talked about everything. <laughs> that's the end of the chapter one was fine. It was fine. Moving on. No. Yeah, let's get into it. From now on, the discussion that we're going to be having will include spoilers for this chapter of the game. All right, so what do we want to talk about first? Uh, Start with the intro. Does the intro movie? Yeah, sure. Let's let's talk about that. Did you think? What did you think about them adding the that pre intro movie, the movie before what would have been the original Final Fantasy VII intro? So, at least for me, I I kind of have I'm going to put it in quotes mixed feelings, and I say mixed not because like I I love and hated it, but I don't know if I can look at it with unbiased eyes because it was just so gorgeous and it it felt like Square Enix flexing their their muscles there with how good they can make a game look like that's what it felt like. Um, yeah. In terms of like 
what it does to the story, I, I guess it shows you the 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 city of Midgar, uh, which is where the game takes place in. Um, but I I loved it. Um, give me more. Give me anything. Like I. Yeah, the cutscenes are my favorite part, just because you know there's more dialogue and there's more visuals. Yeah, the uh, I love. I just liked it. It kind of um, added a little bit of humanity to Midgar before you blew up that reactor. Yeah, like you got to see people like living their lives uh, and just I guess help you see the further impact of, of the action that you are about to commit. So we arrive at the train station in the regular fashion, just like you know, it cuts back to that original. We kind of get get to the train station, and everything is pretty like faithful in terms of recreation. Yeah, uh, they even have uh, Jesse doing that like roundhouse like kick to the security guard. That was badass. <laughs> Yeah, I thought, and just a cool way to just kind of incorporate that. And even when you fight those first two um, security officers, Cloud goes to level seven, and you get the items yeah, that you got I was in the original. Make a note of that. Yeah, that's. I thought that was a great nod. Like you can, you can tell that these the the people who worked on the remake uh, played the original game and loved the original game, and like you could just see the effort they put into the game. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a lot of people that worked on the original game. You yeah. know, Tetsuya Nomura, who wasn't the director of the original game, uh, he was most of the character and scenario designer. Uh, Katase was on the original game. The original, I can't remember the name of the scenario writer from the original game, but he was also the scenario writer in this game. Oh, I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of original, original guys, original cast, if you will, uh, doing work on this game, which I think you can tell. And originally when they, when they were doing the remake of the game, originally, that it was not being built in house, and I guess Square Enix did not like that the way it was turning out, and so they scrapped what had been done and then brought it in house completely to rebuild. Which I think was a good move. Obviously, with the game that we have now, it was a good move. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the 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 opening chapter plays super similar and has very similar construction to the original opening Mako Reactor mission in the uh, in the first game, mm-hmm. just with like wild detail. With, with amazing detail. And I think one of the reasons why I feel like I could play this chapter over and over and over again is because, you know, this is the first chapter you play for the remake. So this has to hit home. This this needs to make sure that you are invested in the game. And what it does really well is it gives you that feeling like you're playing the original game. Like, oh, yeah, I remember Cloud jumps off the train and he fights these two Shinra guards. And, but they make it a more modern game with the new combat style and stuff like that. And, and yeah, and you're, I think you're right. I think they had to absolutely pull you in immediately or it was not going to be a good sell. Yeah. Uh, they also did a really good job uh, throughout the entire game of placing very subtle Easter eggs that if you're not like looking for, you're going to miss. And in this chapter, there's, there's one in particular that I thought was great. Um, so, before the remake was announced, uh, they released the compilation of Final Fantasy VII, which was a series of uh, uh, games and the Advent Children movie movies. If you want to you know, differentiate between yeah. Advent Children and Advent Children Complete, you won't let um, me watch them. I will not let you watch them because you've never played the original and you don't know what happens in the original, and you can't. It's no, no spoiler. That is fair. Um, but one of the things in this first chapter that I thought was a great little Easter egg is that when you, after def- you defeat the first two guards, um, you go into the actual like train station area, and there's a poster for Benora White Apple Juice. Benora White uh, is the name of a specific type of apple within the Final Fantasy VII universe that is found in the region of Benora. 
Uh, and it was first introduced in the Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII game for the PSP, which I thought was a phenomenal game. Uh, I had issues with some of the story elements, you know, here, there, whatever. Um, but I thought that was a great bit of, uh, or a great Easter egg that you could find early on in the game. What I also, I did some research on this. What I didn't know was that specifically the Benora White Apple Juice poster is a direct nod to the antagonist of that game, whose name is Genesis Rhapsodus. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, <laughs> but he apparently invented Benora White Apple Juice. The bad guy? The bad guy from Crisis Core <laughs> invented Benora White Apple Juice. Here. I mean, he just needed a refreshing beverage. Yeah. I, by the way, my source for that is the uh, Final Fantasy Wiki. I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, FinalFantasyFandom.com <laughs> slash wiki. Um, but yeah, that... I- Alex is taking all credit for this. He was not the wiki. <laughs> Alex made it all up. He actually wrote Final Fantasy VII. I don't know if you guys know this. <laughs> I wish, man. Oh, gosh, that's the dream right there. That's a really cool Easter egg. Yeah, I, I I thought that was great. That was a nice nod to 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 the compilation games, and it wasn't just going to be the original game. They they brought home all the different elements from the other games and stuff like that. And they do that several times. Several times, and we'll go over them Especially, when we and, when we go over those chapters. When we appreciate them, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think that uh, you know the the battle system, like the battle system, is ridiculous. I think it's one of the most fun and engaging and incredible battle systems of any game I've ever played. And it just like, at some points, like, you know, if things got a little dense and it's like, ah, you know, my favorite part of the game sometimes was just like beating up enemies for funsies. <laughs> for funsies. No, I agree a hundred percent. And I think it even gets better in hard mode because of the restrictions that you have when you play hard mode, you have to make sure that you're very fluent in the battle system and you can strategize a whole lot better. And I, I, I just think this, this is an amazing, amazing combat system that they One have. One of the differences in hard mode, you can't use any items. Yeah, that suck balls. Yeah, that's like a, that's, that's tough. I'm in the first chapter. It's not that it's, you know, it's a little rough and the boss fight. It can be rough if you're not planning well, exactly but not. like I can, I can see where there was, there was some fights like later on where I was really depending on items to, like, get through the fight. So I can't even imagine what some of these fights are going to be like not being able to use items. I'll be perfectly honest. The first time I played uh, the Chapter 1 on hard mode, I missed that I couldn't use items. So I was like, whatever, it'll be fine. I'll just use Phoenix Downs. And then Barrett uh, fainted. And I went to go use a Phoenix Down, and I went, well, this is going to work out well. No Phoenix Down for you. No Phoenix Down for me. (laughs) No Phoenix down for you. Uh, yeah, that's the, uh, yeah. The, I love hard mode so far, but the battle system is incredible. So if you don't know, it's an action battle system where basically you're like just hitting the square button to attack, and uh, and they kind of kept some of those old school turn based elements sort of. Uh, so you have like an ATB meter like the original game, and it's, uh, when that meter fills up, then you can use special abilities or you can use your spells. Uh, special abilities require nothing but a ATB bar, and obviously spells require MP. Um, and you also, when you want to use the abilities, you can hit the command menu, which slows down the game almost to a complete halt. So you have time to strategize what what you want to do. And you can also press the shoulder buttons and you can command the, the, uh, your party members to use their abilities. Which I thought was a humongous feature for this game. 
Yeah, I was going to chime in about yeah. the slow-mo. So my only real experience with any battle modes is, you know, Kingdom Hearts, because I don't really play video games. Um, yeah. But that was one of the parts of that game that was the most difficult for me, was, like, using the spells and, like, getting all the buttons down while the battle's still going on. So I think the right. fact that it kind of, like, slows down enough for you to actually pick your spells and be able to see what's going on when you cast them instead of just being berated by attacks while you're going through menus. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think Square Enix made a good decision here. Is, and they brought somebody who really had not done a lot of Final Fantasy VII uh, work before uh, to do this. And Because um, I watched... They, Square Enix released a um, series of videos like Inside, um, them making kind of how they made some stuff in the FF7 remake where they introduced a lot of the people who were on staff and, and that kind of stuff. The guy who was doing the battle stuff, that guy actually, he did work for, a lot of his work was on Monster Hunter. Oh, wow. Um, which I don't know if anybody's played Monster Hunter, but it's real good. And the battle system is, is really good. So they actually brought somebody outside, from outside to do the battle system stuff, which I thought was a really good move. Um, and somebody whose like expertise was like building, crafting action battle systems, but it's incredible. Uh, and everybody has a, a triangle button thing too, so Cloud can switch modes um, from like Operator, which is like kind of fast to Punisher, which is like really heavy strikes, but also really slow and you can't defend. Uh, but the cool thing about Punisher mode is if you held the block button with uh, Cloud and an enemy attacked you, then you automatically counterattack and then are able to open up for some more attacks, which I thought which was really Which I would cool. say I and use that move just a, 90% of the time. I use it a lot, especially like in the, in the opening mission against those... Uh, the elite soldiers. The shock troopers? Like the elite security guard. Yeah, the shock troopers. That's yeah. the word I was looking for. Um, especially in Hardbone. Yeah. Uh, and then Barrett's is like an overcharge where he just fires an overcharge, kind of like really powerful cannon shot, and it fills up his ATB meter. And that's all the other characters we'll talk about, because those are the only characters you play with in this opening mission, as was the original. So you just play with Barrett and with uh, and with Cloud. Barrett and his uh, machine gun I also arm. really... Yeah, and I love the way that it looks, like the design of the machine gun arm. Like how it has that like kind of cloth coming up from where the injury yeah. would be up to a further part of the arm with the belt. I thought that was really cool. That, that's one of the few differences that I noticed in this. I mean, there's one major one that we'll get to, but the, one of the few no- differences from from this game to the original was that in the original game, that that gun arm isn't nearly as long. And that was one of the first things that when they released that that teaser trailer, <laughs> what was that, 2015 for for the remake. And you saw, you know, Barrett was kind of yeah. walking away from from your perspective from the camera, and you just saw how long that that gun was. You were like, "Holy crap, dude! That's the that's the size, that's the length of the rest of your arm. How the hell can you which carry is, that around?" Which is what it should be, right? Because it's an arm. I guess. Yeah, it was it was really cool, really really cool, and I just it made it look believable, like because like in the original, it just looks like his gun is attached to his arm, but this one looks like it's like kind of like it's attached, but it's not like perfectly perfect looking, you know, because I guess, I mean, they probably didn't have the technology for gun arms then, so they were just like, alright, this guy wants a gun arm, so like we're going to put it on, so it looks kind of haphazard in some ways, which I thought was a really Does he great, want a gun arm, or um, does he need a gun arm? Well, uh, I don't know if we should answer that uh, for for us who played the original game. Uh, that gets answered at a later, at a later hold date. That hold that thought. I, that's what I've been telling Jill. Whenever she has okay, it has been tough, because she keeps bringing up different things, and uh, I don't want to mention them, so that way I'm not spoiling anything for her, but she has asked some really heavy questions, and I'm like, ha, 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 hold on to that thought. 
Um, so there are spoilers that we know, guys, obviously, that Jill does not know because she's not played the original. Or, or spoilers that we think we know, at least in terms of the how we how think the they're going to... Yeah, right. How the original went. One of the major differences from this chapter compared to the original was, in the original, you're playing as Cloud, who's a mercenary hired by Avalanche, Barrett, and his team to blow up a reactor. And in the original game, you actually blow up the reactor with your bomb. And this remake, you set your bomb, you set the timer, it explodes, and does very minimal damage. And someone else actually blows up the reactor. Spoilers if you haven't. Yes played this chapter yet. Uh, by the way, we're going to be spoiling every chapter for you, uh, but only that at week. So we're not going to spoil chapter two, but we're definitely going to talk spoilers about chapter one. All right, let's continue. So Tony, why don't you say who's who's going to blow up the reactor? Uh, okay, so the reactor blowing up. So after you fight the uh, guard scorpion, <laughs> uh, which they call something else, uh, and the bomb doesn't really blow up the whole reactor. It just kind of blows up what I think is the mechanism that pulls the Mako from the earth and converts it to energy. Um, the pump? It turns out Shinra presses the pump, right? Shinra presses the button that actually destroys the whole reactor and makes it rain down destruction on the entire sector that the reactor is in. Okay. Which is not the view perspective that we get from the original game. We just see that the whole reactor blows up and it just does that, that, that amount of damage. Um, which I think is an interesting, I think we all agree is an interesting way to move the plot for uh because and it's not that it i mean i guess it wasn't like that in the, in the original but it, it's not that it could have been that way because we just didn't see um but it's an interesting way to move the plot forward from oh avalanche is like oh they just blew up the reactor and we have this mild inconvenience that we can't use power in this sector to avalanche blew this reactor up and it killed a bunch of people and they don't even care yeah um so I, I've thought about this a lot, and actually, this 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 whole chapter was part of the demo, and so when the demo came out, there was a little bit of backlash. I think for the most part, you know, everyone's perspective was pretty positive, or if not positive, it was like, all right, let's see what you do with this. Um, but I thought it was interesting because you could look at it a couple different ways. You could look at it as, well, Avalanche is incompetent because they can't blow their actual intended target up, so they can't do sh- um, it, was, it was such a small explosion. Um, but it was. I thought it did a great job in conveying the fact that that Shinra, President Shinra, is just a sinister, evil motherfucker. He is. He's a bad dude. And just especially when you find out, you know, why he's doing all of this stuff. Uh, his his end game. You just. You, you can't help but hate the dude. You're just like, God damn, man. And yeah, let's be clear, too, potential spoilers for the rest of the game if you haven't played the original, but this is not the worst thing he does. It is not. We'll have a chapter where he does something much, much worse. Much worse. One of my favorite chapters in the game, I think. Um, I, In terms of gameplay, sure. In terms of my emotional state, definitely not. Okay, yeah, but that's what I mean. It's like it was super. It was a very emotional, very chapter. emotional chapter. Um, yeah, let's talk about that boss fight. Yeah, that was. I mean, we were talking about this before uh, the recording. Amazing! But it's it's one of the best ones I think in the game. One hundred percent. You especially love this boss fight. I love it. I've played it now so many times. 
because I played the demo so many times and I've beat, you know, I beat the game and then I've beat the hard mode chapter twice because I played it again in preparation for the podcast and I love it every time. And the soundtrack, the music that plays with the boss is unbelievable. It might be the best song in the game. So good. Uh, It's hard to argue with that point, Tony. I'll I'll be honest with you. I, you know, part of me wants to like, no, this boss is better. This one's better. The music for this. I, I can't. I can't say it with conviction. It's it's a really good boss fight, and I, I think it's the perfect end or you know perfect boss fight, I should say, for this first chapter. Because you know I I think for anyone who didn't play the original and you're maybe potentially on the fence for this game, I think after you play this boss fight, you're like, all right, I'm in. Yeah, it's unbelievable, and I love the difficulty level. I love how challenging it is. It's in different states, like uh, like stages. So you you know once you get him like down one quarter of his HP down, then it switches, he switches his attacks, and you have to switch your strategy. Yeah. It's just really, really cool. It's very challenging. It is not at all easy. Um, and it's even more difficult in hard mode where you have do not have the ability to use items. But that boss, the bosses in this game, I think, are one of my favorite parts For of the real. game. For um, real. I think one thing, the, it's just one thing the Scorpion boss did really well was, I mean, it's the first chapter, so you could argue it's somewhat of a tutorial. But I thought it did a great job of showing you what battles are going to look like in this game without making it feel like a tutorial. You you felt that that urgency. Oh man, we need to we need to beat this thing in order to survive, in order to continue playing the game. It wow. did not feel like you were just going through the motions. Like okay, press B to jump. Press B to jump. Um, you you felt the intensity there with this boss battle. Did you just say B? Yeah, press B to jump. Does PlayStation controller have a B? No, unbelievable. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so anything else? Any other details we want to talk about about this? Um, the only thing, and I, I, this is, I am not 100% sure about this, but I'm fairly certain that all the enemies that you played in this chapter were also the same enemies you played in the original game for, for this part. What would be I think so, yeah. Um, if that's incorrect, you know, let us know. Yeah, I feel pretty confident about that, because I do remember fighting Mono Drives and the Guard Dogs. and. Uh, I, do ha- uh, I do have to say, in response to when you were talking about the Guard Dogs, when Alex was first playing the game and I watched him, t- you know, putting his sword on a dog, I did get a little upset. But then he did zoom in and show me that the dog was, in fact, not really a dog. Yeah. <laughs> It's a mutant monster dog. Yeah, it looks like the creatures from like Ghostbusters yeah. or something. Oh, that's a good connection there. I, I hadn't thought and, of that, but now we'll, I'm... Get, we'll get to my perspective on some of the uh, monsters that you battle in future episodes. Oh, I look forward to that a mm-hmm. lot. Um, I think I really actually one thing I do want to add is I really, I really like the uh, the banter between Cloud and Barrett during the Scorpion. The Scorpion. Oh my fight. gosh, it's so good. It, it establishes their relationship. And it's like, don't compliment the giant. That's the best line. It's so good. It's good. It's a good game, and it's good writing. This first chapter is super is super hype, uh, and I look forward to playing the, every chapter in higher detail with uh, this hard difficulty. So, in conclusion, we're gonna we're gonna be doing one episode a week or so. Basically, we're just gonna be playing a chapter and then talking about a chapter. Uh, episode length will kind of vary, uh, and and we're gonna be playing mostly on hard unless it gets too hard and we have to replay it on normal. <laughs> Uh, we do not have to pre-play it on easy because we already beat the game on uh, on normal. Yeah. So I, I can't imagine having to replay what, what it on easy. What if we just want to have a nice stroll uh, yeah. through Sector 5 slums? But you could just play it on normal because you play replay on normal with your current HP. Yeah. You would kill enemies. The max level in this game is 50. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've maxed He's out my already levels. maxed out. Okay, I maxed out Cloud mm-hmm. today. I'm, I'm kind of surprised you had maxed him out because you've been playing to... longer than I have, I think. Well, oh, you've been playing. Yeah, but I, I haven't played a lot of the hearts. Yeah, because remember, he yeah, and I haven't played a lot of the hearts. Yeah, the end at forty, 
you were a little lower, but then you've been playing more after the fact yeah. in different chapters on hard mode. I'm excited. I'm excited to, to play this game some more in hard mode, unlock more trophies, and get that platinum trophy. I'm excited to re-see some of the things that I thought were really fun. <laughs> Don't play. There are a couple things that, that Jill you saw that I didn't see the first time we played, and now that's that I'm true. replaying that on hard mode, I'm like, oh man, oh snap, you were right, that was there. Not that I didn't believe you, but just like, you know, something else to actually see it. I love it. Well, this is the Super Fun Good Time Podcast, which is a super fun name. I really like that name, so that's what we're going with. Uh, which is actually a nod. Just anybody who wonders where the name come from, back when G4 was a video game channel, like that you could watch on the TV. Somebody was talking about how, like, in the early, like, 80s and 90s, localization was really bad and how the translations would be so bad that you would get ridiculous phrases like, oh, that was a super fun good time. <laughs> well, all right, guys, this was super fun it good was. time. This was also a super fun good time. Yeah, I like it. And uh, we were your hosts, Tony. Alex. And Jill. And uh, we hope you join us next week for some more super fun good time and some more Final Fantasy VII Remake. Thanks. Yay. Bye. Superman. I'm gonna I'm gonna edit it in so that you look like you've never played a PlayStation <laughs> in your life.